So, Nick, how's your new iPhone? Uh, I don't know yet, because I don't have one. <laughs> Still no iPhone for either of us. No. So we- you were talking about pre-ordering, like, before you even knew what the iPhone 10 was going to look like. Yeah. Or the I, 8. Yeah, I, I really did. I sight unseen had decided that I want to have the iPhone 10. Um, but it was really weird having an iPhone launch day and not having a new iPhone. It's the first time that that's happened since I think the 5S. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the last phone that I ordered after it came out. Um, Does it feel like you missed Christmas morning or something? Yeah, it, it feels like uh, like something's wrong in the world. <laughs> and um, it's been kind of interesting. I've seen a couple people at work that ordered 8 Pluses. I haven't seen anybody that ordered an 8. Mm-hmm. I think even if you are not waiting for the 10, you're going for the Plus at yeah, this point. I think the battery life and the camera are just too good to pass up compared to the uh compared to uh compared to the 8 and I think the bigger screen real estate really helps with watching video or doing pretty much anything it just makes it easier to see all the content that you're looking at. Yeah, it's a big phone but I still feel like it's it's a manageable size. Mm-hmm. Um the new one is a little bit heavier. Yeah, I heard that. I think it's because of the glass. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, so the people at work who have got them have let me check them out a little bit and i think that my main takeaway from those devices is that apple really perfected the design language of the iphone 6 series yeah like all the branding's gone it's just two big pieces of glass and an aluminum band and it looks like the logical successor from the kind of iconic design of the iPhone 4 and 4S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 4 was great. Yeah, kind of like reimagined. It's like very close to what I think Apple sees as the as the platonic ideal mm-hmm. of an iPhone. What do you think Steve Jobs would think? I think that he would have a lot of quibbles with the ergonomics of the designs. You think it, it would be too big? Um, I think he would definitely own it and accept it as a thing, but I think that in his heart, he would hate features like reachability, you know, oh, yeah, which is definitely a concession in the UI mm-hmm. to the size. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the battery life on the, on the eight plus and well, I haven't had any experience with it, but I have a 6S Plus. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, you know, you're definitely going to get about the same battery. Uh, one thing that makes me a little bit nervous is there was a report this week that the iPhone 10, even though it has an OLED screen, which should be far more power efficient, actually has a larger battery than the 8 Plus. Yeah, it's weird. And you think with that A11 chip that they would need a maybe a smaller battery. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, you know, how much power drain is the, uh, face ID sensor array actually using? Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about that. And that's, uh, and that's every day, just normal use, right. That you were looking at. Yeah. And I think it's, um, worth noting because the iPhone eight, the standard model, the four point what is it? 4.7 inch. Yeah. The little one, it's battery is, I think it's 200 milliamp hours 
smaller this time. And, you know, it's running the same display tech, but it includes the True Tone features. And yet the A11 gains allow the battery to be smaller. So it just makes me wonder what's going on with the 10. Yeah. That means it needs a, a larger battery. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, battery is always a concern of mine. I've been having to charge my phone a lot more lately. I've I've had some performance uh, drops, I guess, in the past like week or so with iOS 11, and I know that there. I've heard that there's another update already for it. Yeah. So hopefully that will quell some bugs or something. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed is there's a few inconsistencies in the in the app design. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the native mail app, the top corners are rounded now. And if you go into like another application, the corners aren't, aren't rounded. Right. I think they're kind of getting ready for the 10 and some of those um, variances mm-hmm. are coming through yeah. on, on the other square models. I wonder if that is something right. they took into account whenever they decided to, I guess they might not have decided to, but it's being released at a later date. Even the pre-order is not happened yet for it. So I wonder if com- app compatibility and just compatibility in general with other applications are, if, if that was a concern of theirs at all, because it's a lot different form factor and the screen is different. You know, the way you use the phone is different. So, yeah, and those differences in the design coupled with the fact that they're changing the screen technology and the reports are saying that the, that Apple is only able to make, like tens of thousands of them a day, which, you know, it sounds crazy to say they're only able to make tens of thousands, but at Apple's scale, you really need to be making probably around a million devices a day and getting 30 million into a channel in a month to cover the demand. Yeah. So all this is making me think twice about my decision and wonder if I should get the 8 Plus, but after holding the 8 Plus in my hand... Um, what I think, I think the design is great, but I think it's a little old. And I think the only model that I would use is the eight plus. And at this point, I think it's too heavy and I'm ready to move to a smaller form factor. Yeah. not why we're here tonight we have one more thing (laughs) yeah yeah so you made a new purchase yep as i as i do every once in a while um so i was in the market for a compact camera something that i could travel with wherever and not have to worry about it getting in the way yeah and i didn't really know much about point and shoot compact cameras Mm -hmm. Uh, so so just for context, this camera that you're getting, it's somewhere in between a a cheap point-and-shoot camera and, let's say, um, a DSLR or a micro four-third camera or something of that nature, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could, I could, you could say that. It's, it's definitely on the higher end of the uh, point-and-shoot, uh, 
categories of camera, but it's it's uh, definitely it's for travel and it's for convenience. Yeah, and um, but it also doesn't really sacrifice a lot of image quality. Yeah, um, it's definitely not as good as some other uh, cameras that I'll mention, but um, comparable to some other really good cameras. So tell me a little bit about its capabilities and its specs. Well, it can shoot raw, which is always nice. I don't think I'd ever get a camera that didn't shoot raw. And that's raw and 4K? It does shoot 4K video, and you can also take 4K stills from video, which is really nice. Um, and the I, from what I was reading, it has the same processing power as the GH4, which is another camera that I have, and that is a Micro Four Thirds DSLR interchangeable lens camera. And who makes the GH4? Uh, both of these. Oh, so I didn't even mention the name. This is the the one that, the camera that I got is the Panasonic LX100, and the GH4 is also made by Panasonic. Okay, so they're both. Mm-hmm. Did you buy it particularly because it was a Panasonic? Are you loyal to that brand? No, or was price a factor? Or? I, I so I started with a list of a bunch of cameras, uh, and I looked online for for about a week, you know, as per usual when I'm buying something that's over a certain amount of money. So did you start out looking at the very high end or the very yeah. low end? The and then <laughs> you looked at the prices of the high end and you're like, I can get here for less. You know, have you ever seen um, House Hunters? Yes. So it's it's like whenever it's whenever it's it's like the shows that they show the people of the house that they really want. And this is the one that, that has all the features they want and has the pool in the back or whatever. Yes. And they're like, well, this is what you asked for, but this is not what you can afford mm-hmm. right now. So that's, that's how I approached it. And so <laughs> I looked at the Leica M, um, pretty much any Leica camera. So for perspective, how much is a Leica M? Um, I think the M is about... I think it's anywhere from a, a little bit below 4,000 to a little bit below 6,000 range. Yeah. So with that camera, what you're getting is extremely high quality glass and iconic design, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because like lenses are, it's almost as good as you can get. And so uh, starting with those two features, I feel like you honed in on those. Mm-hmm. And then where'd you go from there? Well, so I didn't really want a, another interchangeable lens camera because I already have the GH4, which is pretty small, and it yeah. can it can take good photos. But I, I really use it for video, and it's not too large without the mm-hmm. without the lens. Once you incorporate the lens, it becomes much larger, right? Especially if you have that fifty to hundred that I have on there right now. It's three times as big as the camera body. So I didn't really want an interchangeable lens camera. I wanted something that was really easy to set up. And just start taking photos because mm-hmm. I don't normally take a lot of photos. Um, I usually just do video. So I really wanted to kind of hone in on photography a little bit. And I think that would make me a better videographer. And it's just fun to take photos because you can do it whenever you want. And so I went with the LX100 after looking at the Leica M and the Deluxe, which is a lot more similar to this, the like a D dash Lux, and it's about a little bit over a grand. It's a compact um, 
fixed lens, but I think it's fixed at like 28 millimeters or something like that. This lens that's on the Leica, or I mean, sorry, the LX100 is 24 to 70, I think. So did you buy this from B&H or Amazon or uh, what retailer did you I got use? it on Amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you see it on B&H also? Uh, I didn't, I did not see it on B&H. Uh, I, the reason I, I say that is because for those that don't know, if you, B&H is a, is a, you know, well-renowned worldwide camera company based in New York. And if you purchase from them, they only have locations in New York. So if you're outside of that state and you're in the U S you're able to have a tax free mm-hmm. purchase. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think I got this on Amazon. I can't remember where it shipped from if I had tax on it or not, but, um, so I was looking at the deluxe as well and that was about a grand and that's still a little bit more than I wanted to pay for a, um, a compact camera because the whole, you know, I wanted something that I could take everywhere with me and plus not, given your other hardware that you already have. Yeah, exactly. So, so I looked at that and then I also was seriously considering, paying a little bit more than the deluxe for a Fuji film X 100. God, they're so beautiful. For those of you that, that, that have not seen it, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. It's a, it looks like maybe a, an older Pentax mm-hmm. or an older Leica. It's extremely beautiful, Brownian design. Yeah. I was seriously looking at that one because that's a really popular camera, um, compact camera for people to, to buy. Um, any of the X100 series, the F is the newest one, but that's, uh, I think about 1200 bucks. And so, uh, you know, again, I didn't really want to spend that much money. And does that camera have interchangeable lenses or is it fixed lens as well? I want to say that it's interchangeable, but if it is fixed lens, it's going to be a wide, they're always fixed wide lenses. So it's under 30 millimeters if it is fixed. And for this purchase, you were looking for something a little bit simpler than that, correct? Yeah. I wanted something really compact and just easy to shoot, and the LX100 is that. But that I almost did not get this camera. I almost got the Ricoh GR2, which uh, is a new iteration of a classic street photography camera. Yep. And um, and it had qualities that I really wish this one had. Um but the LX100 was just a little bit more versatile with that zoom lens. And I I want to say that the GR only shoots 1080p. But what I liked about the GR so much was the sensor size, which is also something I like about this camera. But the GR has an APS-C size sensor, which is the same as my uh, 70D, um, which is uh, still a cropped lens you know it's not full frame but it's so do you know the aperture i think i think i would understand that a little bit more the uh the aperture on this one uh can go to 1.7 which is really really nice yeah Um, but it's not a constant aperture so when you zoom into 70 it goes up to 2.8 um the gr uh i want to say it's just I don't know, 1.8 or two something. And it's a fixed lens. So I didn't like that. And it's fixed at 20 something millimeters. <clears throat> um, 
The sensor size is pretty big in that camera, though, and it's smaller than this camera that I got. Uh, it's like goes up to like here, like there's no camera protrusion and um and all that. But again, it's uh, wasn't as versatile, so I went with this one. Um, I really like all the manual controls that it has on the camera body. It's just really easy. You don't have to go into a menu system to change a bunch of stuff. Like yeah, having having physical knobs on a digital camera, I think if you're going to make that jump from, you know, let's say your iPhone mm-hmm. to a point-and-shoot camera, having having that physical interface is the advantage that you gain. Right, exactly. Because on the lens itself, it has um, your autofocus. See if you can hear this. So they all they all they're all clicky, which is nice. So you got autofocus, mac, uh, micro or macro autofocus, and then regular manual focus, which you can do with the smooth buttery uh, control ring. When you have it on autofocus, that control ring actually acts as the zoom because you know you're not going to be using it for focusing. And then my favorite ring is the um, aperture ring, which is very clicky. And that's really nice to uh, to play with. And then you can just move it to auto, which you want. And then the last uh, thing on the lens is the aspect ratio. You can change that to 3, three by 2, 16 by 9, 1 by 1, which is interesting, and 4 by 3. And the fact that all those options are physical controls and the interface is uh, very clear and readable, I think mm-hmm. even a... Coming to it, it's less intimidating. Right. Uh, I don't think it would be. I think it would be more intimidating if I were looking at it and you weren't sitting there explaining this. Yeah, it's yeah. All, it's all really easy. And like, and, and on the top, it also has um, your uh, shutter speed, um, which you can also just set to A for auto. Um, and then you also have a zoom wheel rocker thing above the, um, or connected to the actual capture button. Um, and you also have a filter button, which you can just apply filters if you want monochrome or they also have some crazy filters that adds like a spotlight, like from the sun and stuff like that, which I don't mess with and your exposure conversation, which I never really touched, but. And does it have Wi-Fi transfer? It does. It does have Wi-Fi, but I, I haven't been able to use it with raw images and I, don't really shoot JPEGs. Is it something like after you connect it to the Wi-Fi, you can go to an IP address? Uh, you download an app on your phone, and then you can just send it and send it to your phone through that. Oh, app. nice! So it, it does have an app for iOS. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's even better. I was thinking that you would be limited to OS or Mac OS. No, no, it's it's actually geared toward uh, iOS. That's perfect. Yeah, and then on the back you have your nice screen. You have your EVF, which is, that is a okay. touch screen or a non-touch it's screen? It's actually not a touch screen. Okay. Which I, uh, you would think Panasonic is pretty good with, um, well, given all the physical controls, I would much rather have them than exactly. a touch screen. Yeah. I, I don't mind it, but coming from the GH4, which feels like they thought out a lot with, them um, for videographers, especially, but it has a touch screen and it's really nice to use, but. And so this camera will shoot 4K. Is it 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second? Um, it does 4K at 30 and 24, and it does 
1080 at 60, I think. That makes sense. So let me uh, just turn it on and then I can tell you. Does it, did it come with a flash? It does. Um, that's another reason why I almost went with the GR because it has an integrated flash that pops up, um, which is really nice on a camera of that size, which is even smaller than this LX100, which is really small. So it came with this, this weird, like little flash thing that is actually powered by the camera body. So you don't have to charge it or anything. So that's nice. And just Thank has a little God. on off switch. Yep. Um, it has these little pins that like retract. Little pogo pins. Yeah. So you just kind of, you can't use it. If you're going to use the flash, you plug it in, you turn it on and you can't be in silent mode, which I'm always in silent mode otherwise, because it does the, the beeping and the little red mm. focusing light, you know? Um, Okay, so it does 4K, 4K at 30, yeah, I was right. Full HD at 60 frames or 30 frames. So the lens, is it made by Leica as well? It is, um, which is another good thing about this camera. It's a, it's a really nice lens, actually. So essentially what you did is you found a camera that has a lot of the same characteristics of its design of the Leica M along with the Leica glass yeah. on a platform that you're fairly familiar with, meaning the maker is Panasonic. Yeah, the menu is exactly the same as my GH4, which... For what? A awesome. sixth of the cost? Uh, more like half. Half of the cost of the GH4. Oh, for some reason I thought you said it was like mm-hmm. around 4000 or something for the Leica. Oh, for the Leica, yeah. The Leica's... So it's about a sixth of the cost yeah. for this yeah. camera that you got, and it shares a lot of the same characteristics. It does. It doesn't. It's the image quality isn't going to be. The image quality is not going to be nearly as good as a Leica. I mean, the JPEGs off this aren't going to hold a candle to a JPEG off of um, a Leica M, just because the it just takes better pictures, you know. Um, but again, I, I, I didn't get this because it was the best camera. I mean, I think it's one of the best cameras that's at this size for a fixed lens for sure, um, especially for this price. But the convenience factor is big for you. Yeah. So I, I can carry this around anywhere. I can carry it. In my, it's a little bit. It's not pocketable, which is a big thing with. But winter's coming. Parent, but winter is coming, and it fits perfectly into a jacket pocket. Yeah, that's that, great. The the big draw. I I for a whole day I was sitting at my computer going back and forth on the Amazon pages for this camera and the Rico, because the Rico is I could put the Rico in my my pocket, my jeans pocket. Yeah, I, I think you made the right choice. So I think that the design of the LX100 is it's far superior. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of something in between uh, a Leica and a Fuji. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the listeners, they're just going to have to click the links. We'll, we'll have links to all three. Um, this discussion may go a little deep into cameras, but I don't think we've discussed it enough. But... uh Nick is a videographer, so this is kind of what he does day in and day out. Yeah, I really love it. And for me, coming at this from the... uh, I come at it from the total end of the spectrum. I'm the most amateur of amateur 
photographers. Well, you can only get better from there, I guess. Yeah. And, and you know what? I can get better if I want to make that investment. Mm-hmm. And you would, I, I would recommend this camera to you. I recommend this camera to anybody, but I feel like you would really like this camera because it's, it's easy to use after about a day or so. Once you like really play with it, um, it's, it's just really nice. The EVF, um, the electronic viewfinder is not the best, but it's definitely, definitely serviceable. It's, it's, it's not bad at all. And that's, that's probably, that was the final deciding factor on this camera is that it had an EVF that was pretty decent and the GR did not. And the autofocusing is really good on this camera. So what do you think of the shots that you've taken so far? You know, it, I really, I really I saw the hockey goal. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, that one was mainly attributed to really good lighting that was already set up and they had a fog machine going. So I felt like I had to take a picture, but, uh, I think the image quality for, for this camera is really good. I, I don't have any problems with it. I mean, low light has a little bit of an issue, but, um, I mean, it, the, it's not, it's not like a, a huge camera, you know, it doesn't have full frame sensor or, or Sony's low light performance, you know, but, um, the sensor size on this one is a little bit bigger than micro four thirds, which the GH4 is micro four thirds. Yeah. So it's actually a little bit taller and maybe a little bit wider sensor. And then when you're saying that you can adjust the aspect ratio, is it, is that, is it doing that programmatically or is it blocking the light that's hitting the sensor? So that's actually another really cool feature. I'm glad you said that. Um, so when you do the manual control on the lens to change the app, the uh, aspect ratio, it's taking it instead of cropping in on the sensor on the image. Um, it's actually changing what the sensor is seeing. So it's, so, so it's maintaining the same, it's mm-hmm. receiving the same amount of information and changing the shape. Yeah. So when you're at 16 by nine, it actually is a little bit, you're going to see a wider image than you're when you're at four by three, um, instead of taking the, the 16 by nine at the largest and then cropping in to get to four by three, it's actually, it's not changing um, the quality of the image, I guess. Um, so that's really cool. Multi-aspect ratio. I think that's what they call it. I don't I don't remember, but yeah, that's a really cool feature of it. So coming at this as a non-photographer, I kind of rely heavily on uh, not hardware gains. I would say that my focus is on the programmatic implementation that's delivered to me on the device that I'm using. Mm-hmm. And for for me personally, that's always an iPhone. Right. And I feel like I'm able to get some really good shots with my iPhone 7 Plus, but I feel like I could uh, have significant gains if I did get an actual camera camera. Right. Um, but there's this, there's this costs and value ratio that I struggle with because, you know, we were talking about this camera as a video camera. I, I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that it's absolutely a better 
still camera than you could get in a smartphone. And I think that that really relies on the sensor size and the lens they're using because I think and also the person taking the photograph though. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of that goes into a good photograph is your framing and what you're actually taking a picture of if you're too far from it or if you're too close, you know. And a lot the of multiplicity are, of choice. You have to yeah. keep shooting. Exactly. I take, you know, take a lot of photos and pick the best one, which is actually a really cool feature of uh the uh live photo um in iOS 11. But um so yeah. w- when I'm taking a photo, what I want to get, there's a, there's a few things that are really important to me. And I think it starts with the metadata. I want to know where that photo was taken. And that's really important to me. The second thing is I, I've, I take almost strictly live photos because there's, for me, when I pick up my camera, it's seriously like I'm trying to take a memory mm-hmm. and save it. Yeah. And I've been amazed over the years with how cool live photos are. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the unwashed masses coming at, at, at this camera, like I love it as a physical object. It's so great, mm-hmm. but yet I'm so, I'm so used to, the way that I don't have to think about a lot of the tags that are on my photos, that it's a little intimidating mm-hmm. to me. Um, what What's really cool, whenever, especially if you edit in Lightroom, the program Lightroom, um, all the information that you get from the photo. Let me see. Because if you go on to, so if you go on to Flickr, you can show the EXIF. The XF data? Yeah, the XF data. And so it tells you, all this information and I don't have to do anything. It doesn't give me uh location. I don't think I, I think my G H four has uh GPS would always have it off. I know, I know some cameras do um, geolocation tagging and stuff like that, but I don't, I haven't really played with that in this one. I don't think it has it. Or if it does, I don't know that. It, I don't think it's on, but, um, I love looking at all this stuff. Yeah. So when I do purchase a big camera, well, probably because maybe there's a big life of it in my family, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe there's a new baby in my direct yeah. family, something of that nature. Yeah. In that case, I do, I will probably want to get a big camera, mm-hmm. but I, I think that the things that I'll be focusing on are a lot a lot of them are similar to what you would be focusing on, like ease of, in the case of this camera, like ease mm-hmm. of use, compactness. Right. Um, I think I would, nice. and, and I also, I, I'm super intrigued by the ability for that camera to transfer over Wi-Fi to an iOS app. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. But the last feature, and I think one of the most important ones for me would also be the inclusion of, of some kind of GPS. Yeah, you, you would have to. I'd have to look into that. Don't know. I, I'm pretty sure the GH4 does. A lot of Canons do. Um, I I don't think. I think this just has Wi-Fi on it. But I feel like when a lot of people are approaching are approaching buying a camera, that's not something they think about. But I think it's hugely important. Yeah, I, I haven't really. I mean, obviously, I haven't thought about it before. But well, I process all my photos through the Photos app on iOS too. Mm-hmm. So, and I like that ability to just go look at a map and be like, "Wow, this is 
This yeah. is where everything was taken. And it helps with um with uh, stories as well. I yeah, think. and also I use it almost as a search factor as well because I'm like I want to see pictures from San Francisco or you know New York or someplace, and it's it makes it easy to just look at it on a map. Yeah. So um, in in closure, mm-hmm. do you recommend this camera? Uh, yes, I love this camera. Yeah, I think I think if you're anyone who cares about design and you're looking for something that has a manual interface for your most commonly used settings Mm -hmm. and you're looking for something compact it's a really beautiful design yeah especially i think this was 600 and so that for that price um i don't you're not gonna get a whole lot better i don't think for that size too yeah it's a great uh bang for your buck i guess yeah, I, I don't think so either. I, I I think it looks a lot better than the Rico you were looking at. Yeah. Oh, it definitely looks better than the Rico for sure. Um, it it looks a lot like like a, some Fuji cameras that are out there, just a lot smaller. I mean, I could go on for like three more hours. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>